Putting Up with Aaron Michael Marsh. Mm-hmm. How are the levels? They sound good. They're fine. I, I, I checked during the show. You don't got to worry about the levels. That's my job to worry about the levels. Okay. Your job just, to worry about the conversation. Just trying to help. You know, <laughs> exactly. In any way I can. I know you're like a PA by day. So you're like, did you need coffee? Did you need anything before yeah, I exactly. become That's, the guest? It's in my nature. No, you're the guest now. What can I do to facilitate the production of this and get it done in the most efficient way? Just talk about <laughs> It's all about efficiency. Yeah. You know? I didn't realize how much comedians are people pleasers. Well, because you see them on stage, and you would argue the exact opposite. You're like, this person isn't pleasing no one but themselves. Well, I think you're kind of naturally, like, you kind of just start taking people's temperature and, like, conversations and stuff and mm-hmm. just be like, what What do you want to talk about? Like, what's interesting to you? Like, everyone just kind of becomes your little audience, even off stage. That's true. But you also, I've noticed from doing this so much and being out there in the open mic world, the people who are interested in, like, is everything good with you? Are the ones that can adjust to an audience? <laughs> yeah. The ones that are just That's like... 100% true. They're like, no, I'm having the interview I practice on the way here. Yeah. Are the ones that don't. And you're like, oh, interesting. I have to deal with whatever that malfunction is yeah. one-on-one as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, once I get above five people, I have this malfunction. You're like, no, yeah. no, you have this deep within you and you can't stop yourself. Yeah. Everyone else in their life has to deal with them with that yeah. too. Exactly. That's great. But I wanted to talk uh, some shit about that bar we were talking yeah. about. Are we going? We're, oh, we've been going. Okay. I oh. figured, you always listen to podcasts and like two minutes in, the guest's like, oh, are we doing that? Did we already start? And, and I just did it too. Yeah, no, for sure. You're a part of the long list of people that do it. I've discovered, no, I wasn't trying to take that away from Marin. I know that was like a Mark Marin yeah. thing. But if you're like, and we go now, people like you have to break them from that theater thing. Yeah. But if they're like, are we going? You don't have to break them of that and you already have them. Yeah. And so it's like, why put up the wall if I want it down? Yeah. I don't have to be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Oh, I need to do show voice. We've like, officially started. Which you've met people that do show voice. Yeah, of course. It's awful. It's terrible. It, stressful. Yeah, it is stressful. And I wonder every time, I'm like, how are you going to do this for an hour? And I know some people do it. Yeah. You know, Gilbert Godfrey's famous for show voice. Yeah, he did it for half a century. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's possible. But, oh, when I meet those people, most people that do show voice, I feel like they're covering up for something. I'm mad at them already. Yeah. There's that clip of him, too, where he, like, called, left a voicemail for Howard Stern or something. Oh, I heard it, yeah. voice, And it's like, I wouldn't mind just listening to this on a podcast. Like, you don't have to mm-hmm. do Aflac, like, 24-7, but, you know, it's probably what killed him. Um, Turns out <laughs> it wasn't the voice. I looked. <laughs> wasn't voice cancer. It wasn't voice cancer. Oh, okay. But also, I wouldn't have cared if he did stand-up like that. Yeah. Remember Bobcat Goldthwait? Mm-hmm. Famously had show voice. Yeah. And then, but also, what we're talking about at this point is almost they developed the character, mm-hmm. which is different than show voice. Yeah. Developing a character, I will watch. I loved Adelson Fitzgerald Holder the first. Me too. But he was a character. Yeah. As opposed to, like, this person's nervous, so their extra, hey, hey, is like... Oh no! Oh no! What are, what are we dealing with here on the tenth minute? Yeah. If we give that person twenty minutes, they're going to collapse. Mm. Yeah, I'm like, doing ninety percent. It's of the not time sustainable. Again. Yeah, absolutely. I I also love that he just pissed off other comedians too. Like I love that at open mics. Like 
It's like, is he wasting people's time? It's like, yeah, but there's a lot of people wasting people's time up here. <laughs> so at least be like entertaining and fun. And he was that when he'd go up at a coffee shop, Mike and dude, I've got tits like a woman and stuff and <laughs> play a song. I'm like, this is great. Like it's pissing people off. This is, this is my kind of comedy. Dude, I love it too. Because definitely other people are just like, they're wasting, he's wasting my time. It's like, you're wasting our time. Yeah. You know what all of this is? Be an audience just for once. Watch the show he's taking us on because it's yeah. crazy. Um, describe it for people who don't know who he is. Uh, he was Which is a, Googleable. Yes. Yes, you could definitely look him up. I can't imagine what you'd find. Probably a lot of good stuff. He, um, he was like a tall kind of – no one knew where he was from. Like He was like a kind of a tall, chubby black dude with dreads that like mm. had like – he would do like a British accent off stage. He would go into Jamaican and he liked mm -hmm. that level of secrecy of no one knew what he was, but he would do stuff like he'd come out of the bathroom at a coffee shop, open mic and like a diaper yeah. and go on stage shirtless and play like an instrumental, like Biggie's hypnotize and be like, I've got tits like a woman, tits <laughs> like a woman, and just like juggle his man boobs on stage. And there's a lot of arms He crossed. would wear a diaper. It was always on purpose because yes. it was always the same bit. It was a bit that he would do. Yes. Remember, because he would bring out the cassette player and play Big Girls Don't Cry, and then would cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the problem is people were just like, this is so stupid. And I was like, is it? Because I think this is actually really good. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid, but it's great at yeah. the same time. It's certainly stupid. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that the guy's going to pass a test. Yeah. Well... Not the ones you want to pass. No. <laughs> but he would also, at the end of the night, peel out in like a Lamborghini or something. So it's like, where where does this dude come from? He had like a really nice car. It's like, where is this money coming yeah, from? Yeah, and he would disappear for like six weeks. And he was like, I was out speaking to the scientists. And you're like, no, you weren't. Yeah. There was no scientists that were interested in this. Yeah. He didn't want anyone to know what was going on. But he was like, I have 14 published articles. I'm like, on your website. Yeah. Congrats yeah. on getting them on your website. He'd also call me David Norwood. David Norwood. <laughs> and it was great. He's like, you know that's not my name, but I'd be like, that's not my name. He's like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, just call me David Norwood. It's, it's easier this way. I like it. I still run into him like once a year, just randomly on the streets. Really? Yeah, he'll just he's just wandering Hollywood. I bumped into him one time. I was like getting like a sandwich somewhere before like an open mic, yeah. and he was in this Chinese food place next door to there. And he like saw me in the window and he waved me in and I was just talking to him. And in the middle of it, he wanted Johnny. like one chicken wing. Um, and this like very Chinese old woman behind the counter, he was just like pointing. There was like one that was bigger than all of them. And they were like a dollar each. He's like, I want that one. I want that one right there. And he's pointing at the big one. <laughs> and she, and she's like, that one's $2. He's like, what? Let me talk to your manager. <laughs> Like a manager, like she's this is her place. Yeah, like exactly, but that's what we love him for stuff like that. <laughs> that's exactly it. Well, because he also did this one bit that people still do. I constantly talk about how there's always somebody that's like him that floats around the open mics. Yeah, and when he disappears, another one just generates behind the door and just comes in. Where like at the end of their set, they're like, "All right, start my time." Yeah. You know, like he had that joke, mm -hmm. or the. Three minutes in being like, has my time started? Like all of those regular open mic things. Yeah. There's a craziness quota that needs to be filled in mics. And if oh, he yeah. leaves, the universe just kind of puts someone else in there. I know. I want to, to talk to more out. of them here, but I don't want them to know that I'm talking to them for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well, it's you want to crawl inside that brain and figure out what's yes. going on in there. Yeah, exactly. You go, so 
what's the game plan? But if you interviewed him, he would be on the whole time, and you wouldn't you wouldn't get any glimpse. No, 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 not specifically him. Some of the other ones. Yeah, There's maybe a guy. they'd let their guard Tell down. Tell me, this, I know this shouldn't be on the podcast, but I'm going to ask you about my podcast on the podcast. Okay, it's very it rushing. There's a dollar. guy who used to show up for years in a chicken suit. Okay. He's taken the chicken suit off. He doesn't wear the chicken suit anymore. And when he was doing it, he was only doing chicken puns. Do people know who he is? Like, could you see his face when he was in the chicken suit? Yeah. Yeah. Do I, do, was this guy like a... I don't remember him. Yeah, it's fine. I was hoping you wouldn't because I didn't want to say his name. Oh, okay. He stopped wearing the chicken suit and now does regular stand-up like everyone else. Okay. And I want to have him on here and be like, explain yourself. Yeah. Um, can you come in the chicken suit? Yeah, can you show up easy. in the chicken suit and do the interview like that? Yeah, there's always there was, a new... Oh, go ahead. Because oh, part of the funniness about that was there was a lady who was doing improv that showed up to an open mic. She's like, I'm thinking I'm going to start doing stand-up, but in a chicken suit. We were all like, we already got one. We yeah. already got one. You got to wait for he goes away. We'll let you know. And now that he's stopped, I'm like, should we find that lady and tell her that we have room for one more chicken suit person? Yeah. You got to find a new furry to be. Yeah, exactly. Although you can see the disappointment in her face. Like, I thought I was being very original. I thought I was the first person to ever show up in the San Diego chicken. (laughs) Who's funnier than most comics? Yeah. That guy used to do the Madhouse. No. Just kidding. I was like, what? I would show up and watch him do an hour. Yeah. I don't know if you could sustain that for a whole hour, but it'd be a a hot five minutes at maybe. Well, I'm going to plug another one. Jeff Dye got him on the podcast. Really? his podcast and he talked to him for an hour okay and he was witty the whole time he was cracking jokes as if he was a comic like he had these stories with beats he has told these stories before i believe it yeah it's funny i'm sure the philly f- fanatic is a funny guy there's two philly fanatics one is very likable one's very angry okay just like philadelphia <laughs> that also makes sense that one's very angry yeah exactly it's jaded <laughs> Like, yeah, I used to be the fucking fanatic. And it's like, okay, well, please stop smoking. <laughs> but it's, I think that they overlapped where they're like, you go do the B stuff. Listen, fanatic A, he does the games. Fanatic B, he does the car shows on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, I could see that one being the jaded one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, you know, I'm the fanatic too. You're like, well, kind of. Kind of. You're in a strip mall right Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> when the Ninja Turtles did their concert, you're the one that's doing the concert. You're not the one that's doing the voice on the cartoon that everyone yeah. loves. There's a bit of a difference. Yeah. Wait, so how long ago did you disappear, and why did you disappear, and where did you disappear to? Uh, it was all COVID-related. I didn't disappear to anywhere. I was here. I just I mean, not like, to you, but to me, you disappeared. Yeah, no, I hear you. I did, like, I did some, in 2020, I was doing some Zoom shows, some parking lot shows. I hated them. Um, the only thing I like about Zoom shows is you don't have to wear pants, you know? You could just sit at your desk and bomb in your MacBook Pro. That was nice, but I still wore pants. Okay. Well, you didn't have to. Yeah, I, I know that, and I knew that no one was checking. But I was also like, I would hate if my phone like tipped over or something. Yeah. And like everyone just gets to see that I'm not wearing pants. I'm that guy now. Yeah. You'd be the guy that got fired for jacking off on the. Well, Zoom. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though. There was some guy. Yeah. That had some like corporate job and he didn't realize he was still in frame and something something got him going in the middle of the zoom and he had to take care of it and I, i've seen like six videos that are like that not all jacking off all just all different sorts of things where someone like it's like you know what i gotta pee and they just go to the bathroom and leave everything running and the door open and everything and before they realize they're like oh i just 
I just did everything in front of my whole workplace. Yeah. Which like, how do you not realize that? Like you, we got too comfortable. It's, yeah. Everyone got too comfortable in their own home and they were like, well, I still want to be able to see what's going on over there. Yeah. I still want to be a part of the meeting. And you're like, well, no. So COVID is what took you out of stand up. Yeah. Um, I was doing that in 2020 for a bit. And then I think I did my last show, like the weekend of Thanksgiving, 2020. And then I was like, it's like six I, months of hating stand up. Yeah. And then 16 months of not doing stand up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just Which like, we're better. Yeah. I've, for my mental health, they were great. Yeah. Like no one, cause I didn't quit. I'm getting back into it, but like, mm -hmm. I feel like no one quits stand up and is not happy, like happier because of it. Like I know a lot of people that have quit and their mental health is better and through the like, roof. Yeah. Which through makes sense. But I always knew I'd come back into it. It just like, I was like, let me take a break until stand up gets back to some level of normalcy. And I, my, like and then they, it did. And you're like, I'm going to let you know when I, when I come back. Then. Yeah. Well, it's still like by in your, by your definition, how long do you think it's been quote unquote back to normal? Um, since clubs have been back at a hundred percent and everything, which was like, when was that last summer? Yeah. We're coming on a year of, I would say normalcy. Yeah. In clubs. I just, I kind of fell into, I, cause I PA'd for money. So I don't want to be an AD. It mm -hmm. takes years off your life. It's incredibly stressful. I know a second, second AD that's had three heart attacks. And it's like, why are you still doing this? This yeah. is, you should probably find another, but it's very stressful. But I got offered a couple of staff jobs on a couple of TV shows where, you know, if you're a day player, they hire you on when they have like bigger mm -hmm. days, like more background or something. So it's good for doing stand up. It's like, all right, I, I can't work like Monday or Wednesday this week, but I could do Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And, you know, you could live off that a couple of days a week. But like, I was like, well, if I'm not doing stand up, I might as well take some of these staff jobs and hopefully maybe parlay that into like a writer's assistant job or something. And it just, it proved kind of harder to make connections on set during COVID. Like I worked on a sitcom where there was only one writer there every day and he didn't talk to anyone and none of the showrunners, any of the creative people were there. They're like, Oh, I'm scared of COVID. I'm just going to watch the dailies at home and stuff. So I, you know, I made some, I, I, part of the reason I didn't come back last summer was I got an opportunity to like, I worked on the last season of Westworld and um, I was there for like six and a half months and it was fun. Like I did make some connections with yeah. some writers and I'm like, I'm writing a pilot right now. So like, oh, I yeah. feel like I have some people that I'm comfortable enough to like show them to that are like in at HBO and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think all of this is good. Like, I don't feel like you have to like present, like give me your, your pitch. Yeah. Cause I'm the person that tells people, it's like, if you're tired of it, take a month off, take some breaks. Yeah. No one's forcing anyone to just go through it all in one giant race. Yeah. Take the breathers you need to take. And on the other side, I also think doing other things is healthy for both sides of the world. It's like, oh, yeah, if I write this, you learn to have better writing skills, which then goes back to the next time you write stand-up. You're going to write tighter stand-up that also could maybe be turned into a script better so you can work that into a thing that if you actually got the pitch of, like, David, what's your sitcom? And you're like, oh, I already know how to write the pilot. Yeah. All of that's wonderful. Yeah. One area helps out the other yeah. areas and stuff. So that was a long way of saying like the last year I was like in the desert or like on mm -hmm. a sound stage in Santa Clarita or Valencia or something. Did you like the shows you worked on? I did. I so, 
the the two I don't know. I don't want to shit on some of the shows. They they weren't the funniest shows in the world, like the two comedies I worked on before Westworld. Yeah. But I'm a fan of Westworld, so that was kind of cool to work on. I was doing first team, which is like you're in charge of the cast and yeah. stuff. So I met some cool people like doing that. Like there's only one dick on the show. Everyone else is cool. And um guys, you can tweet at David Doorward and just guess who the dick is. Yeah, it's definitely not Jeffrey Wright. So don't worry about that. It's hey, not- that's a hint. <laughs> <laughs> um wait so i was gonna ask do you think it matters if you like the show when working on a show because there's so much to do on the show and so little of that requires liking the show yeah i think from my standpoint there's nothing really creative about what i'm doing so every time I, i've ever worked on a show it's not been creative either and so it didn't matter if i liked it or not yeah it's cooler if you like it but it's not it doesn't matter yeah exactly like it's like it if you're like a fan of the show, I don't know. It's like, regardless, I'm going to try to do my job as best as I can just yeah. so 200 people can go home faster or something, you know? Oh, yeah, so, because they're paying you to be there and you don't want to get fired. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. But it is like, you know, we'd like shoot some stuff like with like stunts out in the desert and there'd be moments like on Westworld where I was like, oh, this is this is cool. This is pretty yeah. cool to be here. But other moments, it definitely wasn't. The but, only show where I was watching where I was like, this would have been really cool to have worked on this is last dance yeah because you're like oh if i was working on the show i would just talk to michael jordan every day for two months yeah or be in the room with everyone else getting to hear the amazing michael jordan stories mm-hmm. yeah that'd be, be fun a dick. that'd be awesome or to have been behind the scenes in 98 like oh yeah, that, yeah. off court stuff well that would have been great oh yeah that side of it yeah that would have been amazing yeah i've just been watching basketball and like the highest quality that's ever been played yeah yeah, they're pretty cool. Just be in the locker room when like Phil Jackson's kicking Jerry Seinfeld out of there. Yeah, exactly. You're like, get out of here, Jerry. Now follow him to his seats. We need the B roll for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just like bonus if I if I like what I'm working on, but it doesn't, you know, I'm not really helping creatively in yeah. any way. Is there any swag that you have that you would never wear? Uh I have certain things. I have like uh like a westworld hoodie or i just have like hats and stuff mm-hmm. and i've already like in the couple open mics i've done coming back like i've worn the hoodie on stage before just because i like the hoodie it's not like it's not super flashy too you'd have to kind of be close up to see the the westworld logo it's not like all that season 16 you're like check this out it's not i mean my favorite thing i've ever gotten was from the first show i ever worked on which was nathan for you and I don't know if you watch that. But Every episode. I love that show. In fact, the, I have the st- dumb Starbucks cup up there. Okay. There you go. Well, I worked on season three, so the wrap gift was a Summit Ice jacket. So That's awesome. That's a great wrap gift, too, because it's like, if you don't know, you just think it's a jacket. Yeah. But I have different, like, crew members come up to me or comic. It's always, like, a crew member or comic. It's never just, like, a random person yeah. on the street. They're like, holy shit, is that a Summit Ice jacket? <laughs> Oh yeah, never, never forget. Six million Jews died in the Holocaust, you know? <laughs> and it's great, great jacket. <laughs> That's actually brilliant. But he does; he's always got one extra layer of brilliance more than anyone else. Yeah, he should be famous. It's kind of fun that he's not. It's almost like he's still a prank in himself. He's doing a new show with um, Benny Safdie and Emma Stone. I think they're filming in New York right now. They started filming it pre-COVID. So I'm not sure what the delay was because they halted production. And for whatever reason, it took this long to get back into it. Yeah, but, I'm, every show ended up going back to production. Yeah. So I'm not it's sure what happened. Kind of crazy. They scrapped some stuff. 
I don't, I, I'm trying to, I think they might film another season of glow, but I remember glow was one of the ones where they're like, we're going to do one more season. And then COVID there's hit been and zero like, word nah, on that. We're just going to not do it at all. As an avid listener of Mark Marin. Yeah. But they, like, uh, he complains about it like once every six episodes. Netflix is always looking for an excuse to like end a show after three or four. They don't want their shows to go more than three or four mm-hmm. seasons. Cause then Disney channel. you have to start like paying people more and stuff, which is annoying because like certain shows, like if you like, like Ozark or something, it's like, it seems like they're strong arming them and to just being done. Yeah. Cause they don't want to, once you get into like season four or five, everyone's making way more money. Yeah. And their thought is it's like, well, this is going to be here forever. Like, we'd rather just make a new show where we can pay people season one money. Well, do you know the name of that Disney Channel show, Cody and Zach, I think? Sweet Life of Zach and Cody? Sweet Life of Zach and Cody is, they did two shows with them. The first three were very successful. They couldn't renew for a fourth without paying everybody. Yeah. So instead, they did it on a boat. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. on deck or something. Yeah. I remember that. And then they brought him back for three seasons where they're, like, working on a cruise ship. Yep. Same exact cast. So that way they could pay go around. Every, yeah. That's all just so they didn't have to pay everybody. Yeah. I worked on American Horror Stories last week. Not American Horror Story. American Horror Stories. There's of a, course. It's the same crew, but it's a spinoff where, like, each episode is a standalone episode. And, you know, they're paying people season two money instead of season 12. Yeah, so. exactly. Which you, you almost wonder if the networks are like, hey, The Bachelor is really successful. And they're like, can we just make the next season called Bachelor? Just yeah. get rid of the the and let's just bring everyone back down to base salary. Start over. Season one salary. Yeah. Cause we, Same show. Although that show doesn't really have a cast that goes year to year. So I wonder. Yeah. Crew still has to though, right? Yeah. Crew and the host and yeah. all those people. But yeah, they... A lot of shows do the shady thing, too, of, like, it started with The Sopranos, and then Breaking Bad did it, where they break the last season up into two parts, and they call it part one and part two, but it's, like, it's really two, and Ozark, they just did that, mm-hmm. too. They broke it up into two seven. I think they did it with Better Call Saul this last season. Like, they break it up into two parts, and they're, like, oh, it's just part one and part two. It's, like, well, you're just getting away with not paying people, you know, like, the season six, even season seven money. So. I mean, Rick and Morty got away with it first, and then everyone did it. Yeah. But I, f- I don't know what Rick and Morty's problem was. Like, listen, it takes us a year to make five episodes. And we're yeah. like, how? I think a combination of the animation and the two showrunners being functional alcoholics. That's the problem, I think, really, is the two showrunners. Because you also watch, like, Mandalorian and all those other Star Wars shows, and you're like, if they can do this every year, how is somebody else not doing something equal every year? Yeah. Well, I love I love Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, but you know, like I've heard people that worked on community that were like they they'd be there and there'd be no script because they're like, we're doing rewrites and it's like Dan Harmon and other writers like locked in a room and they were all like drunk. Allegedly. You gotta say allegedly. Yeah, I mean I I wasn't allegedly there. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know what's what's dumb is how long we've known each other? been a long time. Yeah. It's a decade. Yeah. We're so old now. <sighs> I've always been older than you the whole time. <laughs> but it was like, when I met you, you were in college. Yeah. Did you graduate? Yeah. What did you do with it? Uh, Nothing. It was a way to get me oh, yeah. to LA. Sure. Because I was technically like, because absolutely like Tim and Eric's production company, they do some like kind of mm-hmm. shady stuff, whatever. I don't want to get into too much. But like, Wait, were you I working was- on that? 
uh, they produced Nathan for you. Uh, I worked on three things for them. I worked on that, check it out with Steve Brule, and then Comedy Bang Bang. They produce all yeah. those things. I, but if you were going to say, I think you should leave, I was going to lose my mind. I, I need to watch that still. I've heard great things. I still haven't. I love it. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. But I was technically an intern on Nathan for you. I was just a PA that wasn't getting paid. That was the only time I worked for free. That's what an internship but, is. I don't even understand how they're legal anymore. Yeah. Well, I think now you have to pay people for an internship. This is way back in 2015. It was a different time back then. So <laughs> I technically, I didn't get college credit for that internship, but I just knew um, John Parr at the time was like an office PA at Absolutely. Oh, I didn't And know that. he hit me up and was like, they're looking for interns for this. So I went in and interviewed with them and they booked me. And, you know, they're like, you're in college, right? I'm like, yeah. And I gave them my little CSUN email and stuff. So I... Didn't receive college credit. Technically, it was a college internship. But other than that, I really will never use my degree for anything. Mm -hmm. Because, like, people, like, it's all who you know. And, like, it was helpful because I made some connections with people on that show. And then, you know, people throw you work and stuff. So being on that show as my quote-unquote college internship got me into, like, PAing and stuff. But the, the actual film production degree itself like i'm i'm never gonna use that i don't even know where my degree is like well no one's gonna ask you to see it physically yeah even about that even occasionally like when i'm up for like a job like people will be like send me your resume i'm like my resume just book me yeah book me on it see that i'm good and if i'm bad just don't keep booking i know because the interviews are like so we read your resume explain it to us you're like what yeah so so you did that you're like yeah yeah, this is part of the reason why I like the film industry is, like, I don't need to go to an interview in, like, a mm-hmm. collared shirt and, like, show you my resume and stuff. So they're taking all the fun out of it. Yeah. They're Although like, it is cool as John Parr, you know. He he kind of blew up. Yeah. Yeah, he has. I, there are all these people that I'm, like, looking forward to seeing again that I haven't seen in a while. He's a good dude. I like him. He I did, love John he, Parr. He was in an episode of my web series that I did back in the day. David Dorward, professional driver. Check it out on YouTube. <laughs> He played a, a superhero. Dude, it's really fun. Whenever I go out and I run into any of those people, it's always super happy. Yeah. Like I ran into Jack Knight and was just he was just like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. You know, like all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I bumped into him at a bar randomly like six months ago. Oh, that's awesome. Dude. Yeah. I, I didn't even see him there. He came up to me. I was like, oh, fuck. I haven't seen you in so long, dude. That's awesome. But yeah, there there's some people that really blew up from that era. I know. It's like I'm trying to figure out how much of my recipe of it is like proud versus like jealous there is a little jealous yeah and it but it's not like how could they you know like there's no like weirdness in that sense of just like uh i can't believe so many people got you know like these things yeah and you're like am, am, am i next you know like, yeah there's that thing where you're just like well one day right well it's human nature but it you is. know if your friends blow up that only helps you oh of course well i also feel like it's, I, my analogy is, nobody gets drafted at the same time as everyone else. Yeah, they really pluck one by one by one by one, mm-hmm. and it's like they're currently plucking the people that we came up with. Yeah. Like our generation is getting plucked right now, and so it's like exciting to me. Or it's even I would say a lot of people that are like three or four years above us. Mm-hmm. You know, like Aristotle. Yeah, Aristotle was already doing it when we got there, but we also watched him like come up. Um, and so it's just like a, oh, oh, cool. 
wait, I think we're, I think we're coming up. It's like yeah. next. Although it does feel like Disneyland sometimes, you know, like where you turn the corner and like you see the lines even longer. You're like, where did all of these people come from? Yeah. Where's my fast pass? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well, wait, I started the line with them. They're down there. What's yeah. this? Yeah. Well, there you go. If you have friends blowing up, that's your fast pass. You know, you could, they could help you ride Space Mountain faster. Oh, man. You hear that, Jack Knight? I'm just kidding. He's, <laughs> take me to Jack Disneyland. I, mean, I don't need him to actually physically take me. I go to Disneyland enough. Yeah. I've covered that base. <laughs> Is there anybody that you saw back then that you're like, I can't believe they didn't blow up? Why, why do I not see them everywhere? I'm trying to think. There's one guy who specifically comes to my mind. Who who for you? Keith Kelly. Oh, yeah. I love Keith Kelly. Yeah. Is he still around? Is he still doing yes. it? Yeah. I see him at open mics all the time still. He shows up, does his set, leaves, crushes. Can't really break into him as a person. You yeah. Know? Like, I don't know of any real friend thing that he has. Yeah. I mean, that could be part of it. It is. It's almost self-serving. But you're also like, if you were to just release your five-minute sets one by one, I feel like they would go viral, like all of them. Yeah. It's so good. And I've watched where he, like, stops doing material and works on new material. And you're like, you definitely have a great album already written. Yeah. Just release it and get paid to do this now. Mm -hmm. When I did that college comedy contest, like, God, that was almost 10 years ago. Um, I think it was, yeah. like, in 2013. Uh, that was the one where I lied my way on and said I went to USC. Yeah. Because only USC versus UCLA. And I asked them, like, I'm, I go to CSUN. Can I do it? And they're like, no. So I'm like, okay. And I just Googled how many digits are in a USC ID number and just made one up or whatever. And I came in second in that. But Keith Kelly won. Because he was, like, technically in, like, grad school at UCLA or something. He was in some weird thing where, like, his was kind of not legit. That's but he actually so went to UCLA. And funny that you guys both came in as ringers. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hannah Dickinson was in that too. Yeah, but I believe she was she, legitimately going to school. At the yeah, time. she was legitimately going to school. Yeah, like there's a couple where you're like, that person was legitimately going to school. Yeah. Like, there was a Sierra Cacao who was constantly like just busy doing finals and stuff. I believe she was in school. Yeah. And she won one of those uh, after you left. Mm hmm. I think John Runitsky won the one the year before me. And then. Really? He, yeah, he got an SNL. There were some good people that did it. I think Paige Weldon did it at one point, but she, had, they, all these people were actually legit. Was she an alum? Uh, no, I think she was going there at the time. Again, this was like a while yeah. ago. But like, I think I was the only one that completely just made it up. I've done shows for the U of A Alumni Association. I am not an alumnist. Yeah, and I will say on this podcast, I hope this doesn't destroy them paying me anymore. On the record, yeah, on the record. I mean, like, they never asked. They were just, like, they reached out to me because they knew I was from Tucson, and then they saw me rep some, like, U of A stuff, so they just assumed all the rest is clear. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you want to do the alum shows? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do the alum shows. And they pay. And so I would go and do them, and there was a moment where they were just like, all right, what were your majors? And I was like, I never went. I'm just from Tucson. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh. Well, that was the most stressful part of when I did that competition was when we'd be at the shows and the other comics were there, like the other like USC kids, yeah. like I would have to keep the conversation very surface level and not talk about school at all. Because as soon as they were like, oh, you're a screenwriting major, like who, what professor do you have? And I would have been fucked. Yeah. So I just, whenever 
oh, the dude, conversation totally would kind of quiet. You're just like, go that way. I'd be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom again and just run away. Yeah, but you reference a couple small things in the area and they're like, this guy's definitely legit. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you certify yourself. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, I was over on uh, Vermont Avenue the other day. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, he knows. That's right by USC. That makes sense. <laughs> that tracks. That's just the bus route. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, I just know the bus route that goes by it. Yeah. But that's as deep as I can get. We can't talk about professors or or courses or anything like that, or I would have been I would have been discovered as a fraud. You could have looked up like whatever restaurants were popular. There's always a couple douchebag bars by every college. It's yeah. the rules. Yeah. It's the rules of college. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the rules of college. Did they have that at CSUN? CSUN was like a giant commuter school. The the one there's so not a nightlife around there that the one quote unquote college bar of CSUN went out of business during the school year right. to show you how little people actually. So you guys are nerds. No, there's just people just didn't care. It was a giant, like it was essentially a, a community college with like 40,000 students. Okay. But they had certain program. They, they had a really good film program and, like when I moved here, the, that was my goal is to just like apply to like, I don't want to go to, U, I, I couldn't afford UC, USC. I wouldn't get in UC, USC, but I could have, I was on track to maybe go to somewhere like UCLA, but I'm like, I don't want to graduate 80,000 grant, like in debt with like a screenwriting major. So I'm like, let me just apply to all the CSUs and uh, Northridge was the number one because it was closest to like Hollywood, LA area. So yeah. once I got in there, I'm like, hell yeah. Well, it worked out. You're working yeah. in film now. It all worked out. It wasn't the goal for you to be in film? Yeah, definitely. I know I made it in my head. To me, the goal was for you to be the voice of a cartoon. It's still the goal. It's still happening. Is that more of a goal that I want for you, or is it a goal that you want for no, you? No, I, I want it. I'm like, I'm now that I'm, I've am i got back to a healthy place with pa where I'm only doing it a couple nights a week, I'm starting to do more stuff for me. I just bought like a nice microphone and... I'm like setting it up and I'm going to start auditioning. I have a, like a commercial voiceover reel. So I'm going to start trying to audition for stuff. Can you give me a commercial voiceover for putting up with Aaron Michael Marsh, my podcast? Um, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Hey, Hey folks. Um, uh, I don't, uh, Hey folks, you, you looking for an hour to kill, uh, or, or less or more. Um, it'll be more than killing. It'll be exciting when you listen to Putting Up with Aaron Michael Marsh. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. What kind of business uh, do you think you're doing a voiceover for right now? <laughs> the, the podcast biz. That's David Dorward. You can follow him at David Dorward. I have known him since day one of stand-up. And, like, from, like, the get-go. Even though, like, we were learning how to, like, do it. Because he was probably only, like, six months in before me. Maybe a year. Not, like, he wasn't, like, the seasoned vet when he came in. But I was also, like, there's something to this David Dorward that I like. And so we immediately became friends. Love him. Uh, happy to have him on the podcast. Happy to see him come back to stand-up when he does. I'll uh, be excited to see what he's been working on. Over the last couple of years, I know a lot of people are like, I'm not working on much, but even the people who are saying that are coming back with just more adult and more mature perspectives on things because they had so much time to sit down and just think that even that's changed. Even when they're like, it didn't change. It's really shocking when someone didn't change at all during the pandemic. And it's actually really rare. So 
I'm excited. I'm excited for all that. And this might sound a little crisper to you than it normally does because I normally do this on my phone. I think my phone's about to die, uh, which takes place in next week's episode when I don't use a microphone to record the episode. You guys will notice a little bit of an audio drop in quality. I don't think it's unlistenable. It's not as bad as uh, there was one episode of my Book of Boba Fett podcast that was pretty bad. This is not as bad as that, but you'll notice a slight drop off. It will be corrected. But luckily, the interview is great. I have a girl named Jana Lee, and she does a dog act. She, she Lee, and the furry kiddos. She has two chihuahuas that she does a stand-up act with, and I got her on the podcast to talk about it. You know, like, <laughs> the genesis of it is me seeing her go on stage with it and me just being like, why? You know? <laughs> uh, but talked to her after the show. Really friendly girl, and we had a great conversation about it, and she answered all those things really directly and really friendly. Like, it was it was pretty cool. I was really worried heading into the interview. I was like, this might be too confrontational. And then as you'll hear the conversation, it's like, oh, no, this is very friendly. You know, this is very friendly. We both take it very friendly. And I think we're friends now. Who knew? So, guys, next week, Jana Lee. This week, David Doward. This week, also me, Aaron Michael Marsh. Aaron M. Marsh on everything. So follow me on things. You know, social media me on things. I still get random things that are just like, hey, love that part about the podcast. The other one, which reminds me, my friend Dave. My friend Dave and I worked together at Common Grounds, and he listened to this podcast and was like, wait, I want to know more about this 911. And so he asked me a question. He said, did I ever work 911 where somebody called the police on themselves? Uh, I would like to start with saying that when you call 911, it goes to a central person who figures out what the problem is. And if it's medical or fire, they dispatch it to one direction. If it's police, it goes to another. So I never got anybody that's like, I just robbed somebody because that would have gone to police. I worked fire medical side. But sometimes that crossed over. And yeah, yeah, that would happen often. Uh, quite often it would happen with, with drug things. You know, where it's like, hey... If my friend had an overdose, does that mean that, like, the police have to come? And you're like, does that mean there's an overdose in front of you? Because we definitely have to show up. And it's not about arresting them. It's about protecting everybody. Make sure everyone gets the help they need. You know, like, so, like, that would happen a lot. I did get somebody who uh, called to let me know they were going to shoot the person on site at their place. Uh, there's somebody about to trespass, and they're going to shoot him. And they fired and missed, but I was on the phone for all of that. <laughs> the best part was, it was her husband. Her husband locked himself outside and was going around the side of the house to try to find a window to get into. And so she came out with a gun and fired warning shots at her husband. And I was on the phone for all of that. And it was quite hilarious. It was It's like old people when they fight. You know, it's, like, it's just me, Martha me and she was like oh no did i kill you and he's like no you didn't kill me that was a fun call that may have been too much information i hope i don't get sued for that her real name wasn't martha but that everything else is really specifically on the nose um i mean so that was fun i don't have i don't have any like i don't like to share the sad dangerous ones you know that's that's the reality is when people find out you do 911 dispatch they talk to you about all the sad ones you know, they're just like, 
you ever talk to anybody while their wife's dying? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's not fun. You know, like it's always great when they just go, hey, you ever be on the phone with someone that was born? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that's a funner one. I like that. Yeah, that, that would happen. So that was Dave's question. So got a little bit on that. Uh, I don't, it wasn't in depth, but you know, I try, I'm trying to get another dispatcher on and we could exchange dispatch stories now that there's been so much time passed. We'll get there. We'll do it. We'll do that, Dave. Thank you for submitting the question. Love it. Thank you guys again, always. Thank you for uh, listening and thank you for putting up with me. Mm -hmm.